Good morning, Covenant Network. This is Adam Wright with you on this Monday morning, December 13th, and uh, we are so happy to be with you today as we begin this third week of Advent. Gaudete, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let's begin our morning with prayer, and we, we have a couple of intentions this morning for our prayer. Uh, and first and foremost, we want to pray our morning offering as we do each and every day. Second, we want to pray our Christmas anticipation prayer. And then third today, I'd like to close with just a brief prayer for all those who have lost their lives uh, in the tornadoes that occurred in our listening area and outside of our listening area across the Midwest and into uh, the Southeast as well. Um, it, truly devastating. And, and so, We should pray for them. We should pray for those whose lives were lost. We pray that those who mourn their loss would be comforted. And so we begin our day in prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular, for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Hail and blessed be the hour and moment in which the Son of God was born of the most pure Virgin Mary at midnight in Bethlehem in the piercing cold. In that hour, vouchsafe, I beseech thee, O my God, to hear my prayer and grant my desires through the merits of our Savior Jesus Christ and of his blessed Mother. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. And may the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I I don't know about you, but it was quite troubling Friday night for us. Uh, We were at home, and we had just finished bringing in some of the outdoor decorations temporarily for their protection so they wouldn't blow away. Uh, I was watching the uh, weather report live on my phone and realized that I had a family member, actually, that was potentially in the path of the tornado that started in Defiance, Missouri and moved through St. Charles County. Um, and so we were calling them, making sure they had gotten the news and, and that they were seeking shelter and they were safe. And it's one of those things I remember Friday morning, you know, during the Roadmap Roundup, we got a special update on the weather from Mike Roberts. Uh, we, we heard that throughout the day about the the significant chance for severe weather. And it's one of those things that I kept thinking, oh, I'll keep an eye out, I'll keep an eye out. But you, even amid that, or amidst that, I didn't think anything would happen to me. You know, I didn't think anything would happen to me. Now, praise God that, that my family was safe. However, right here in the uh, St. Louis metro area, there were lives lost, and there was significant destruction from the tornado. And it, it has impacted multiple tornadoes, by the way, and it has impacted many people. And I say this uh, because it should give us perspective during this Advent season um, that we, we don't know the hour. We don't know the time or the hour. And that is why it's so vitally important that each and every day we endeavor to um, just do the best we can to live a, live a life of holiness. And that means we have to do very specific things. It's not just a nice platitude. But if it's been a while since you've been to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, you know, this should serve as a wake-up call for us that we need to go. We need to make sure that our relationship with God is right. And again, this isn't so much about 
going in and saying, I need to admit that I failed, which we do. But it's about receiving his mercy and being in communion with him. That's something that I've struggled with finding a way to say to my friends and, and to family members who ask, why are you so big on the sacrament of reconciliation? And, you know, I have no problem explaining to them why I feel the Mass is so important. And, I, and in my head, I have no problem explaining why I think reconciliation is so important. But it is. It's not about you're a failure and you need to own up to it. Although we are and we do, um, it's about God wants us to be in right relationship with him. And there's so much that he offers us. It's infinite mercy. But we have to want it and we have to say yes to it. We'll have to talk about that more in depth a little later on. Uh, today on the show, we're going to be talking with Father Zach Edgar about St. Lucy, whose feast day is today. And then later, we're going to remember that all things are possible for God. We're going to visit with Joe Ferris to talk about that. Uh, before we go to the weather here, I just want to say we heard it yesterday in the introit for Mass, in the second reading. We heard it a lot, and there's a reason why it was pink. Uh, as, as we hear in Philippians, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. And with that, let's go to Mike Roberts for a check of the weather. Thankfully, this will be a quiet week, warmer than normal all week, next weekend, and really all the way through Christmas Day. Today, the normal high is 45. Today, we'll get to 60 under sunny skies, clear tonight with a low 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high of 62. The record high on Wednesday is 76 degrees. We won't get there, but partly sunny, breezy with a high of 70, so we'll take that. Then Thursday, showers and a few storms are possible with a high in the low 50s. Maybe a morning mix of rain and snow on Friday, then clouds the rest of the day with a high of 48. Next weekend, partly sunny with a high in the low 40s on Saturday, and we could see some rain in the afternoon on Sunday with a high again in the low 40s. Today is the feast day of St. Lucy. Born in Sicily around 283, her parents were nobles, but her father died when she was just five years old. Most of what we know about Lucy is based upon tradition and legend, but we do know this. She was a martyr. Her mother, Lucia, was concerned about Lucy's future because of her own health, and also she'd lost her husband. So unaware that Lucy had promised her life to Jesus, her mother also did not know Lucy intended to give her dowry away to the poor. She made arrangements for Lucy to marry the pagan son of a wealthy family. Then, Lucy and her mother made a pilgrimage to the shrine of St. Agatha, and it was during this journey that Lucy told her mother of her plans. Her mother suggested Lucy marry and give her wealth to the poor after her death. But Lucy said, whatever you give away at your death, you give because you cannot take it with you. Give now to the true Savior while you are healthy, whatever you intended to give away after your death. So... Lucy and her mother distributed all of her dowry to the poor, including her jewelry. When the young man Lucy was promised to found out about this, he was enraged and denounced Lucy to the Roman governor of Syracuse, who demanded she burn a sacrifice to the emperor's image. When Lucy refused, he demanded that she be sent to a brothel. However, when the guards came to take her away, they could not move her, even with a team of oxen. Bundles of wood were then piled around her, and she was set on fire but would not burn. Finally, Lucy was murdered with a sword, but before her death, she warned the governor he would be punished. Hearing this, he ordered the guards to gouge out her eyes. But there is another legend that says Lucy removed her own eyes to discourage a persistent suitor. She was martyred 
in 304. St. Lucie, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Welcome back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. We are happy to be joined by Father Zach Edgar, a priest of the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. Always a treat when you can come to our studios. Father, so good to have you here. Glad to be back after a little while, Adam. Thank you. Well, today we celebrate one of the uh, great feasts of the month, the Feast of St. Lucy. This is one that goes back many, many, many years. And I remember first hearing about this feast day. Actually, oddly enough, watching a Rick Steves travel special on PBS, and they were at the church, and they were singing Santa Lucia, Santa Lucia, and a young girl processed in the procession with a wreath on her head and candles, not an Advent wreath. They were just plain white candles on sure. the wreath, processed in, and he was talking about it. And then being the uh, somewhat nerdy Catholic that I am, I'm like, I got to find out more about this. And this was in Sicily, I take it? I, I suppose. Yeah. It's, that was, you know, 20 plus years ago that I watched that. But Let's talk about St. Lucie, and uh, for those who maybe did not watch that PBS special, who, who, who is St. Lucie, Father, or who was St. Lucie? So, well, I mean, is, right? She's alive. She's in heaven. So in the Roman canon, we have those two big lists of saints that we always go through, and the apostles and some of the early pope martyrs, et cetera, in the first list, and then the second list of saints in the second half of the Roman canon, we have your Agathas. <coughs> and Agnes, and Lucy, and Cecilia. So Lucy would be, you know, as far as the calendar year goes, she'd be kind of the, the end of the line. And uh, martyrdom is dated around around the year 300, maybe some say 304, so the very, very beginning of the 4th the century. She's from Sicily, as we just mentioned, uh, the town of Syracuse. Of course, Sicily's not that um, big of a place, but, I mean, her... Her cultus, her devotion, has been spread throughout Europe throughout the centuries and even has survived the Reformation in some places that you would uh, now associate uh, as, uh, you know, largely Protestant places in Scandinavia, etc. But um, as we've talked about a little bit off air, you know, Lucia, so I, I said Lucia for a long time. I don't know if that's from Spanish influence or whatever, but it is Lucia, which is the where the lux comes in, the word for light in Latin. But anyway, her name means light. And this is the darkest part of the year. We're about to come up on the winter solstice, the shortest amount of daylight. And uh, on that side of things, I think what, what the Lord wants to give us in, in the liturgy in these days as we prepare for Christmas is that, you know, we know he's the light of the world. We know from John's gospel in John chapter one that uh, the light will shine in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it. The darkness will not comprehend it, however you want to translate that. And for all these virgin martyrs of the early church, you know, whether they're as young as 12 or 13 years old, like with Agnes, or we're talking Lucy's probably about 21 years old when she's martyred, uh, the preservation of their purity and giving their whole life to God and helping the poor and all the other good things that they did in their lives as it's been relayed to us, that is how they bore the light of Christ um, in the world. And we should emphasize that, you know, within our own families, we should never take for granted, no matter how young somebody is, whether they're junior high or high school or whatever, they have incredible capacity for God's grace and God's light and can have just as profound effect uh, as the oldest and wisest person you'll ever meet. And so we shouldn't sell our young people short, I think is a good point of emphasis today. Father, you, you mentioned these five virgin martyrs coming uh, with their feast days just before Christmas. Mm -hmm. And we think of our Lord. He is the bridegroom. 
we are the bride, the church is the bride. And I cannot help but think of the parable that our Lord teaches in the Gospels about the virgins and their lamps and having the lamps lit and ready for when the bridegroom approaches. And some were ready and some were not. And this just, let's just say it's, it's, uh, it's ringing some bells. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Oh, pun very much intended. Okay. Pun very much intended. I miss you. This time of year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like we were mentioning again in the ancient liturgy, there are in the old calendar, there's St. Bibiana, which used to be the patron of the patrons of the Cathedral of Los Angeles um, a long time ago. And then St. Barbara and St. Lucy and, and another uh, one whose name escapes me. And then on St. Lucy's feast day on the 13th, she shares it with St. Odilla. And both of them are patronesses of people with eye trouble. And uh, Odilla um, she was born blind. Uh, a lot of people pray both to her and to Lucy when they have trouble with their vision. And when Odilla, she was given up by her family because they were, her dad especially, it says, was so embarrassed that her daughter was blind, they gave her to the monastery. And when she was finally old enough to uh, ask for her own baptism when she was 13, at the moment of her baptism, God gave her her sight back on a natural level, including supernaturally too, obviously, in baptism. And uh, so the 13th is a huge day for Lucy and Odilla for us to pray for that light, not just for those who suffer physically from, you know, the dimness of the eyes or whatever you want to talk about. I can talk about that in my, in my own personal experience. I've had glasses since I was three and a half years old, but we do want to see clearly in the spiritual life and we do want to walk in the light. We want to do all the things the gospel asks us to do. And of course, that's going to necessitate one thing, the one thing that nobody wants to talk about, and that's the rejection of sin. In order to live in the light, you have to let all the darkness go. But it's important to remember that those are not equal things. Like even scientifically, we know that darkness is the absence of light. Darkness isn't a thing. And when we talk about heat and cold, heat's a thing, cold is not. Cold is the absence of heat. Okay? Evil has been said is the absence of good. So all those things are in the same vein. Um, so we know who wins, but uh, we have to try to cooperate to the best of our ability with what God is calling us to, and we, again, often sell ourselves short about what our capacity for being light, who am I to witness to somebody else, I'm a broken person, I have my faults, I have my past. The Lord wants to wash over all that. The Lord wants to obliterate that, and what a better literary, uh, or even, you know, just the, the mental picture of light obliterating darkness. Indeed. I want to stop here and take a, a very quick break. And then we'll come back. We'll continue talking about St. Lucy. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back in just a few moments. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. This morning we're talking with Father Zach Edgar about St. Lucy. And before the break we were talking about, you know, the five virgins uh, that we celebrate in the month of December who bring the light. And we were talking about darkness being the absence of light. And I, I think one of the things I often forget is when I think darkness, light, well, now it used to be you had to crawl out of bed and, and flip a light switch for the lights to come on, and immediately the room is flooded with light. But now I can just say, you know, hey, hey Siri, turn on the lights, and, well, the lights go on thanks to the miracles of modern technology. I forget that sometimes, though, in the darkness, we, we might not want to have that expectation that the lights are suddenly going to come on all around us. But if we see a light in the distance, and I think of so many sailors sailing by the light of the North Star, I mm -hmm. think of the, the great title we have for the Blessed Mother, mm -hmm. uh, Maris Stella, mm -hmm. and... That, that it's all about moving 
towards that light, almost like a lighthouse or a beacon. It helps guide us. This is the direction to go. But when we talk about St. Lucy, she actually gives us a very practical example from her biography, you know, the, from her life story, that she gave away everything she had, mm-hmm. including her inheritance, mm-hmm. to serve the poor because of her faith. And, and the thing that precipitated that, uh, according to you know, the hagiography, is that her mother was ill. Um, she had pretty serious um, issues. And so they made a little pilgrimage from Syracuse to a town that's probably about, it'd be on the coast of Sicily, that's probably, uh, I think it's Catania or something like that, about 12, 13 hour walk. So probably a couple days walk, especially for somebody who's not well. And they said, if we go pray here, at, uh, at this shrine, if we go to St. Agatha and ask for her intercession, she'll be healed. I know my mom will be healed, and that's exactly what happened. They got there, and the mother's illness was instantly uh, healed when they went there. And so as a matter of thanksgiving, what she asked her mom to do, because her mother was wealthy, like, I want to give my dowry, I want to give my inheritance away to the poor as a sign of thanksgiving to God for your healing. You know, Father, in the... In- in the modern world, we don't think twice about this. Someone experiences blessing and they say, I, I just, I'm so moved by the gift I've been given. I want to give gifts to everyone and, and no one raises red flags. However, with Lucy, this is a different story. I mean, her fiance that she's engaged to is very angered by this and um, he does not react well. No, and he turns her into the, the local Roman authorities saying this person's a Christian because now he doesn't have anything to lose, you know, financially. So the Roman authorities want her to obviously sacrifice to the gods and all these other things, and she's not going to do that. And uh, she mentions how important her purity is, her life is, and say, okay, we're going to send you to a brothel, and they're unable to physically move her, the the legend goes. Um, And so they try to do other methods of torture to her uh, since they can't, you know, remove her and send her away to the brothel and all these other things. And they eventually... Uh, one, one of the images in Sacred Art is her neck being pierced by a sword is the thing that finally worked among all the things that they tried to do because the Lord would not let harm come to her to show that his power is stronger than any of these other people that think they have power. And so she did give her life again, probably about 21 years old. So just to think, like all the young people that we know um, with all these, with all the virgin martyrs, uh, we, <laughs> we do need to pray for, for purity in our sex-saturated culture, especially for young people and uh, those addictions are beginning at younger and younger ages. Any confessor will, you know, be able to unfortunately talk about those realities. But uh, we need to realize that we need to give all of our families at any age, you know, beyond the age of reason, all the grace that they can possibly stand. And um, what better reminder that uh, it's going to cost us something, sure, right? Because it's not going to make sense to the world. Well, that, that's a very important point, because I think, in, especially in the time we live in, and this is a term that maybe has crept up in the last 10, 15 years, but has been going on for a while, is the preaching of the quote-unquote prosperity gospel. Yeah, that if, if you give to the church, if you give to the Lord, then he will then give more to you. And and that's a sign of you being blessed and you being in God's favor. If you're in God's favor, you'll get financial reward. And the Catholic Church has always said, no, 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 this is not the case. You know, financial wealth or or well doing or financial wealth or or well being is not a sign of favor. There are plenty who suffer. There are plenty who struggle in life who are favored by God. And often uh, if you really want to be close to the Lord amid his people, go to the poor 
and the brokenhearted. And that's that's where it will be very easy to find Christ dwelling among us. So the call from St. Lucy is not give everything away and then have abundant blessings heaped upon you. It's really this question of are we prepared to give everything away even if that means our life mm-hmm. out of love for Christ? And um, to, to echo what you're talking about, about giving everything away, I would say anybody that I've known that's done any kind of missionary work will tell you in any third world country, Haiti, whatever you want to say, the people you meet there, even though they materially have nothing, they're some of the happiest people you meet. Now, they're in abject poverty, for sure, and we want to help them, and we want to give them the means to, um, you know, doctors and all the things they don't have access to, uh, for sure. We want to do everything we can in our generosity to help our brothers and sisters across the world. That's our duty and charity, but um, they're not unhappy because they don't have the the wealth and the stuff that we have here, and we can't take any of that with us anyway, you know? So the witness of... Being able to say, all right, you know, at the end of the day, I can lay everything down and have a clear conscience. I'm not going to let this stuff have ownership of me, which is, if you want to get into the materialism of this time of year, is a good point for reflection for all of us. Like, do I really need whatever my quote unquote Christmas budget is for gifts and everything? Is that a necessary thing? Is that something I've imposed on myself? Is somebody else pressuring me? Like, what's going on there? Because at the end of the day, Christmas can't be about stuff. Right, I know it's a different homily for a different day, but for the for the witness that Lucy is giving, for the light that we're called to give to other people, and including young people, young people can bear incredible witness to the faith and continue to do so. John Paul II was so beautiful in all of his all of his visits all across the world to always reach out to young people and say, you know, you're the light of the world. Don't be afraid. You know, stand up against these things. And sometimes. And like the parable of the seed, you know, sometimes that springs up really quick and people are on fire and then it goes away just as quickly. But we want to get that seed in that good fertile soil that endures so that when we are called and we are in the midst of a time of persecution, which this is pretty hostile environment these days in a post-Christian world to what we really believe, uh, we need people of all, all ages to stand up for what's true and what's right and what's worth fighting for and what's worth dying for. And, you know, we need the example, even if it's, even if it's 1,700 years ago, we need the example of, of a Lucy because that same type of demands are being placed on our young people today. We need heroic virtue, period. We Indeed. need heroic virtue. Indeed. You know, I, I think of last Christmas amidst the pandemic, um, there was this big question. We can't get together. What what does everybody want? And of course, now with the kids getting older, my parents, my wife's parents, can you send their Christmas lists? And it seems earlier and earlier every year that they want that. And that, not that there's anything bad with grandma and grandpa getting the kids gifts for Christmas or the parents getting the kids gifts, the kids getting their friends gifts. I'm not trying to knock gift giving, but I've kind of gotten to this point in my life where I'm out of room in my house. I don't need stuff. And I just, last year in particular, the the things I wanted most were to be with friends, to be with family. And it it was particularly hard because last year, for the first time in my life, in more dramatic ways than ever, I couldn't be with friends and family for all of those traditions. Now, this year, it's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be closer to what I knew before the pandemic. But I've been thinking a lot about this, that people say, I wish things would get back to how they used to be. Actually, I don't. I don't wish they would go back to how they would used to be. I want them to be better than how they used to be. I don't want people to take for granted those moments of being together. You know, my wife and I, were we've been talking about what mass we're going to for Christmas now for two months mm-hmm. because we want to make sure that that is the focal point 
That is the priority, and it's not something we just fit in because we need to have dinner here and we want to open up this on Christmas morning, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we want to build everything on the 24th and 25th around that pivotal celebration, the celebration of the Mass. So I think the challenge for our listeners, it sounds like, is one, don't be afraid to give radically to build the kingdom of God and to bring his light to the world. And we're not just talking financial. We're, we're talking exemplary. You know, We're talking about giving example. We're talking about standing up for the truth. We're talking about aspiring to grow in holiness. And two, as cliche as, cliche as it sounds, keeping Jesus as the reason for the season. The way we pray or the way we say we pray and the way we believe has to affect the way we live. I mean, the end, that, that has to be it. And we have to ask for the grace to do that. It's not just going to come from our willpower. You and I know that. Like, in your vocation and my vocation, if we try to do it self-sufficiently, we're going to fail. So we need the saints on our side. We need our family in heaven. We need we need each other here on earth to, you know, kind of call each other to task and say, you're never in this alone. And that's the beautiful thing about light, right? Because it goes everywhere. Wherever we need help, it can come to us. There's not an impossible situation that God can't get to. Well, Father, if I read my calendar correctly, as we get to the end of this week, we will have the full moon. And I, I want to leave us with that image that, you know, we're called to be the moon, to reflect the light of the sun. Reflect and the light. Beautiful. Exactly. So uh, may we be like Lucy. May we bring that light to the world. Let's start right now in this moment. If we haven't started already, Father, could I ask you to lead us in prayer for that? Sure. Heavenly Father, we ask you as light of all nations to give us the graces that we need each day to respond faithfully to our station in life, to do all that you've asked of us, to do it selflessly, to carry our cross in union with you, and to do all of this in joy. May you be our light this day and always. We ask this in all good things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, Father Zach Edgar, I want to thank you so much for being with us in the studio today. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. We're back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Now, we've had Joe Ferris on the show before, but usually it's by phone. This time, we have a special treat. Joe's in town, and so we took our little mobile rig out to the coffee shop here, and we have the chance to catch up with him to help with our Advent preparation. Joe, so good to be with you today. It's good to be with you as well, Adam. It's good to see you, and thanks to everybody. I love love what you're doing. I love the the ministry that you're doing. I love uh, the content you're providing in the world. Uh, and I appreciate it, and know that I pray for you, and pray for all those folks listening right now. Well, Joe, we're honored to speak with you today on Roadmap to Heaven. So we're getting ready. We're in this last push of Advent, getting ready for Christmas, and uh, you and I were talking about the possibility of, of doing something for the show since you'd be in town. Listeners, you may remember, Joe, we've talked about Father Capen many, many times on uh, Roadmap to Heaven here, and uh, you sent me a text message, and at the very end of it, it, it was I remember this distinctly. It was Thanksgiving Day. It was I, I prayed for you and your family today, Luke 137. And I said, all right, Luke 137, that's going to be in the Christmas narrative, but where's that at? And I pulled it up, and uh, exactly in, uh, in the translation here, we read, for nothing will be impossible for God. And I thought, wow, that's a, that's a great message. But I'm always very careful not to take Scripture out of context, because like even the devil did that with our Lord. Um, and we're looking at this in the passage that's the Annunciation. 
that the angel Gabriel appears to the Blessed Mother and says, here's what God has planned. And the Blessed Mother, before she says yes, she says, how can it be? And the angel explains all of these things, explains that her cousin Elizabeth is with child. Uh, We know that to be John the Baptist. And then we get that great line, for nothing is impossible for God. And I wonder, what's the, you know, we hear this every year. We're going to hear it again in the coming week. But what is the what is the specific message for us? You know, what, what do you take away from this line, nothing is impossible for God as it relates to Advent and Christmas? Yeah, let me give you a little context for the text, too. For those that listened, I, didn't, I might not have texted you if you're listening. But the fact is, I try certain times of the year to go through my phone and not just use it for negative things, but I try to go out and positively, you know, affect change. So much texting is just gossip or whatever it is. So I, I, I do pray for each person I text. So that Thanksgiving text that you got was legit. Uh, it wasn't some service I sent somewhere. When I hit send, I'm doing it. It's the, me on the other end. And I, I love the verse, Luke 137. I taught Catholic school 10 years, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And one of the things we had our students do every year, uh, I had them do, is I, we called it panning for gold. You know, you get out, if you ever go to the mountains, you, you pan for gold, and you have all that dirt, and you find a little tiny piece of gold. And I would have them go to the scriptures, and I'd say, come back when you find some gold. And it was about 20 years ago. I can still see this young man. I, can still, I won't say his name because I don't know where he is, and he didn't give me permission to say his name. But I remember him coming over to my desk and saying, Mr. Ferris, I think I found gold. And this was, I'm honest to goodness, 20 years ago, he comes to my desk and he said, well, so give me the verse. He said, it's Luke chapter 1, verse 37. And I read it, and it, it, like, it pierced my heart in that moment. Not, I didn't have a you know, gray, I didn't fall on the floor, I didn't see you know, doves fly out or anything. But I kept thinking, is that true? Do I really believe that verse? And, and I remember praying, and I couldn't get beyond it. And I understand not taking Scripture out of context, but sometimes just one word. In the scriptures can stop us in our tracks. And, and I found for me, I prayed it for years, years I prayed it. And then we, we went into missions, and uh, we've talked about it before. I gave away, we sold and gave everything we had in a family of six. Uh, people thought we were crazy, and we just kept repeating that verse. That verse became our prayer almost. As much as we breathed as a family, we were saying nothing is impossible for God. We didn't know the next step, where we were going, and how we were going to get there. And it just, God, just when we trust Him with everything, He seems to deliver for us in powerful ways. And I believe that's for everybody. Uh, and, and so from there, you know, I, I can, again, I just continue to pray into that verse. Then we enter this pandemic two years ago, and it's easy for me to want to be in control and want to have everything like I need it. And then yet again, I'm having to lean back on this verse. You know, I'll end with this, and, and I, I know I went a lot of different directions, but I read years ago, I don't know where I read it, but it was written down, so it must be true, and uh, that Pope Benedict, somebody's passing through the Vatican, and he was like reading, a, had a Bible out, and they passed him, and he was reading, and they said, what are you doing? And I think he was at that point Cardinal Ratzinger, and he said, I just can't get over this sentence from Scripture. And they said they went to a meeting, a couple hours later, they come back through, and he's still standing there reading the same sentence. And they're like, what are you doing? Because I can't figure out what God is trying to say in this. Now, I'm sure that I'm messing the story up, but for me, it was an inspiration. We hear so much during this time, during every time, but for sure in this infancy narrative, like what if, what if this Advent, during this time of darkness and waiting, what if the light is that God has got this, and it's not about me 
or my what I want or my desires or my vision or my mission. It's about His and Him using me for something extraordinary. So there's a lot of stuff there to chew on, Adam. But that's where that's where it comes from. That's where I've prayed about it. Well, that you, you bring up a really important point here, Joe. That when the angel Gabriel appeared to the Blessed Mother, you know, and this takes us back to the Feast of the Annunciation back in March. Mary didn't respond, all right, well, give me the details here. You know, that, that, that sounds like an all right idea, but what, what specifically? What's the timeline? Where are we going? How's this going to work? You know, uh, I, I remember when we welcomed our firstborn into the world, we had the whole birth plan, like this is the hospital we're going to, and at this point we want to do this, and we want to have these things available, and we got to have this bag packed and ready to go. And Mary just says, let it be done to me according to thy word. And it was, you know. I, that, that's not typical in our culture, though. No, you know, no. We despair a lot. In fact, you mentioned the, the text messaging earlier that we're quick to the negative. Um, we're very quick to the negative. So how do, we, you know, how do we take this into our own lives, and then how do we bring that out to the world? Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting that, that our approach is always um, this external approach. What I've done, at least in my ministry, and what I've tried to really do during this time of pandemic and coming out of the pandemic is do the hard internal work. It's can I become that? Like, can I really live fully into that much trust with God? And I see it in the people around me. You know, I hang out with lay missionaries, and I remember standing outside of Walmart with a group one time, and they were in the Walmart parking lot praying that they would encounter someone that they could love and encourage and challenge and have a conversation about Jesus. And it's like that reckless trust that each moment of each day, each second of each day, like I'm given the opportunity, if I can surrender that to the Holy Spirit, to just dive deeply into the immense love and mercy of God. And from that, to me, that God, God looks at our impossible situations and said, I offer you possibility. What's interesting in that verse, and you, I was glad you asked me, you, you brought the context up, because it is like the Archangel Gabriel just keeps asking Mary questions. Like, it keeps giving her statements until she kind of finally goes, okay, okay, what are you talking about? Like, sure, you're going to be with child. Okay, but I don't have a relationship. Now I'm actually going to tell you about your you know, Elizabeth. And it just, to me, I feel sometimes like that's the ultimate expression of trust is, I will trust God with everything or nothing. Like, that's it, man. I don't think you can half trust. I think you're either all in or, all, or you're out. I feel like my marriage, I feel like my relationship with you, I feel like my relationship with the person listening to this right now, like you either trust the message or you don't. You know, you, you mentioned, Joe, that the, uh, the Archangel Gabriel goes through all these things with the Blessed Mother. Here's this, and here's how it's going to work, you know, in your cousin Elizabeth. We, we, you know, we kind of go through that list. Sometimes I think it'd be really helpful if, if our guardian angels or the, the archangel Gabriel would appear and say, Adam, I know it's tough right now, but nothing's impossible for God. And just in case you need a reminder, look back at your life and here, 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 and here, and then these five things that you don't even know about, God's got all of that taken care of. Why are you worried? Yeah, amen. I, I think it also, just to, to be clear, this Advent, but I really started this early in the pandemic, I try every day to write down five things. You brought up five things, five things I'm grateful for. And it's been phenomenal to, to have that sort of perspective because I can and am super negative the way I receive information from people or texts or conversations. And it's begun to change the way that I approach the world. Um, so I, I would challenge everybody listening, not just to hear this verse, not just to look it up and pray about it, 
but even to start to dig in because it's a self it's this awareness of self like what am i doing in my heart and how am i removing god from my heart instead of opening my heart up to make more space for him to reside permanently I'm so glad you mentioned that list of five things every day, because that's something that that I encourage all the time. And my prayer discipline and that I share with others is midday. What's one thing you're grateful for? And then at night, when you do that full examination of conscience, don't just examine the, the faults and failings of the day, but examine the moments for gratitude, because I find the more we cultivate that list of thanksgiving, that list of things that have happened each and every day, the more we find to be grateful for as we live our life. Now, Joe, we're coming up on the winter solstice, the darkest day of the year as sunlight goes. Um, and, and we're talking about taking this message of hope, this message of belief that it, God is in control, that it's all in his hands out to the world. I can't help but think of one of the, uh, the great priests of the last hundred years that you and I have spoken about ex- extensively, Father Capon, sure. and how he did that. You know, Just to recap for the listeners who may not be familiar, he's in the prisoner of war camp. In, it was Korea, correct? Yes. And you know, you've got these guys in abysmal conditions, and he knows that if they give up hope, that they're going to die. Right. And he is, you know, sneaking around from hut to hut, from place to place, trying to, to take care of the men physically, spiritually, emotionally, and bring them that hope. What can we learn from him as we endeavor to, to share this message with our friends and family? No, that's, a, that's a great question, and I appreciate uh, you bringing him back up, because I do love to talk about Father Capon. You know, not long ago, I was in Diocese of Wichita at his funeral. You know, 7,000 people showed up. They brought his body back. So it was a pretty big deal. And I met during that time, um, some of the men re-met some of the men that, that knew him and that were in the camp with him, and then talked to some of the children and grandchildren of these men. And it really was almost one of those rare moments where it was that black and white. Like, you can choose despair or you can choose hope. And Father Capon, by living in hope, he realized he kind of used what he had in that moment. You know, one of the stories I had never heard was him with his pipe. And at night, he would go to all of the little buildings, and he'd share a, like a smoke, basically, with these guys. And they would talk. And, and one of the men said that one tiny thing was something to look forward to that day. We knew Father Capon was going to come visit, and we were going to have a smoke, and we were going to laugh, and we were going to talk about home. He would talk about the first meal he was going to eat when he got home. And I think that despair convinces us that there is nothing to look forward to. And I think in, in this case, the last couple of years, for sure, we've heard and, and, and really wallowed in the idea that it's all over and let's just constantly live in problem. And I guess to me, Luke 137, the Advent story, Father Capon say to us, like, let's look at the things around us and let's dive into family in a different way this Advent. Let's dive into marriage in a different way. Let's dive into our love for our children, for our neighbor, for our you know, fellow church members, for our priests, for our bishops who, man, it hadn't been easy for anybody during this. So let's, uh, let's get in that space and let's live in that space. Now, this takes me to this idea that, you know, so often we encounter these little opportunities and perhaps we ask that question, will this even make a difference? You know, what, what difference will this make? And that underestimates the power of God, you know, that he could take, I, I always tell uh, the teens when I used to work in youth ministry, I would always tell them, you give the Holy Spirit an opening the size of a pinprick, watch out, Game you on. know, because yeah. he will work with that and, and your life could be changed. We shouldn't underestimate these small gestures that we can do each and every day. Right. Yeah, I think it's not, 
I, I mean, we've said it, and we've all heard it. I'm sure you've said it on this program as well. It, we all want to do these extraordinary things, but Father Capon just made the ordinary extraordinary, and that's all we do. Like At, at Christmas this year, perhaps instead of stressing out over the meal or, or spending all this time as you're kind of preparing your family uh, during Advent for Christmas and shopping, maybe try to live into the moment. Look, look at the person waiting on your table or, or working with you in the store, and let's see if we can bring some of that joy that we sang about, the psalm this past weekend was about. Um, that joy that we from from God doing things for us, we overflow with joy into the world. And this Advent, even in these dark times of waiting, we bring that joy out into a world that has given into despair. I've been saying it a little bit lately that the, the world has raised the flag of despair. We raise the flag of hope higher and bigger and more powerful. This is our time as church to do this. You know, this Advent yeah, for me is important, um, for, and for that reason, if for no other reason. I want to give our listeners one last you know, concrete thing they can do. So I want to circle back to what we started with today. That is, at the very beginning of all of this, you sent me a text message on Thanksgiving Day and said, I'm praying for you today. You mentioned that you do that. You go through your phone. So if our listeners want to adopt this practice, it's, it, is it really as simple as that? Just start going through the address book in your phone, pray for someone, send them a text message saying, I prayed for you today? It's as easy as that. I copy and paste the text. I, I put it on, and I. But I won't send it. I, I'm kind of strangely scrupulous in that way that I won't press send until I've actually prayed because I'm too afraid I'll forget. I'm 50 years old now, Adam, so I don't remember things as easily. So I, I it does. It takes. It's part of my routine. I do it a lot because a big part of my ministry is in prayer. And so I, it's easier for me now, and I kind of know how to do it. But but yeah, it isn't hard. Go through your. Figure out the last 20 people you texted. Take them to prayer. If you're worried about your children and grandchildren, take them to prayer. If you're worried about your marriage, take it to prayer. Uh, and let's see this God of, of possibility. Let's invite him in this Advent. Um, and let's see if we can trust him a little bit more. Well, Joe, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule while you're breezing through St. Louis to be with us this morning. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. It's a new week. It's time for a new Daily Dose of Encouragement. Here with us today is Patty Schneier. Patty, so good to see you again. Well, it's great to be here and to dive into a new topic this week. We're in Advent, and I wanted to just spend a week talking about our Blessed Mother and Mary and the lessons that we can learn from her. And of course, Advent's a great time to think about Mary as she's journeying to Bethlehem, right, with our Lord and and about to give birth to the Savior in Bethlehem and all those beautiful stories. But today, I want to just talk about one quality of Mary that I think we overlook, and it's her openness. She's open. And I learned recently that holiness isn't so much about doing as it is, let it be done unto me. And that's what Mary's lesson for all of us is, is to be open and to say, let it be done to me. And I think we need to realize that it takes strength to be receptive. If you think about giving gifts, for example, the person giving the gift is kind of in control. They've picked out the gift. They give it. They give it when they want, to whom they want to give it. But the person on the receiving end, it actually is a lot harder to receive the gift. And so we need to be open, to be receptive, and Mary is our model for that. So spend some time today maybe thinking about how well do you receive gifts? Do you say, oh, no, you shouldn't have, or do you say, thank you, that was so thoughtful? We need to be better receivers, and I think Mary is our model for that. So I just encourage you to spend some time thinking about Mary, about her openness, about her ability to receive, 
and how well we can imitate her in our lives, especially this Advent. Patty, I want to thank you for the gift that has been this daily dose of encouragement. I look forward to tomorrow's right here on Covenant Network. Thankfully, this will be a quiet week, warmer than normal all week, next weekend, and really all the way through Christmas Day. Today, the normal high is 45. Today, we'll get to 60 under sunny skies, clear tonight with a low 40. Tomorrow, partly sunny with a high of 62. The record high on Wednesday is 76 degrees. We won't get there, but partly sunny, breezy with a high of 70, so we'll take that. Then Thursday, showers and a few storms are possible with a high in the low 50s. Maybe a morning mix of rain and snow on Friday, then clouds the rest of the day with a high of 48. Next weekend, partly sunny with a high in the low 40s on Saturday, and we could see some rain in the afternoon on Sunday with a high again in the low 40s. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, December 13th. You know, one of the things I have been struggling with this year is just this idea of remaining joyful and remaining optimistic as we approach Christmas. And it's I, I, I was talking with a friend last evening, and one of the things that really came to mind is the reminder to keep the main thing in focus, and that is that God loves us so much that he stepped into this world taking on human nature, you know, still fully divine, becoming fully human, so that he could suffer and die for us on a cross. No fanfare upon his arrival. You know, you think of when the big celebrity or the big sports player or, or whatever it may be is coming or that long-awaited guest even to your house, the guest of honor is coming. I remember a homily a few years ago uh, where someone was talking about a surprise party, you know, and, and think of being, you remember those? You'd be huddled in a room in the dark and you think the guest of honor is coming and, and the door opens and it's not the guest of honor, but it's someone saying, they're, they're parking the car, they'll be right up. You know, that's John the Baptist. And then you huddle and you huddle and you huddle in the dark. The door opens and you yell surprise. Well, you know, we like to think that's what Christmas is. You know, that, that, that all of a sudden we're counting down the moments till this big, remarkable thing each year. And it, it truly is remarkable. But at the time, you know, how does the one song say it? A baby came like a, like a violet, a violet in the snow. And uh, there was no fanfare. And yet the course of our lives was changed forever because of what happened. And they said, Adam, you know, you're having a hard time uh, being optimistic and being hopeful and joyful in this season of Advent. But that's what yesterday reminded us. Rejoice. Rejoice. All of the sufferings and all of the troubles in life, they all make sense in light of the incarnation, the passion, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord. So don't, don't lose focus. Don't lose hope. And it reminded me of the many years I spent, you know, Christmas Eve, everyone would be gathered with their family, and I'd be down in my office eating a packed lunch or a gas station food as my Christmas Eve dinner because I had to play for all the Christmas masses. And then I'd go to Mass and say, you know what, that was worth it because this really is a grace-filled time of the year. We are out of time. I want to thank Father Zach Edgar and Joe Ferris for being with us today. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. That's what we have for you on the show today. Uh, It is the third week of Advent, so I want to remind you, if you'd like to go to confession before Christmas, the lines are just going to get longer. So make a plan and go this week, if possible. For all of us here at Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.